Did you enjoy playing for England? No, I never enjoyed playing for England for the simple fact is I never played enough. I always find myself defending myself. But you've got to on this one, Rob. You've got to because yeah. you hand it to him, round it up in a little bundle and said, there you go. But that, that, was, that, that was me winding him up or trying to wind him up. So if you were being kept out of an England squad by a player that was playing in the Saudi Pro League, you'd be pretty pissed off, wouldn't you? Uh, of course I would, but I'd also be pissed off if I was kept out of the England squad by players who weren't playing for the club. This might get a little bit of a thing, this, but Michael was quicker than me. Yeah. But every other element of being a striker, I genuinely think I was better. This is Up Front with me, Simon Jordan. I believe there are a lot of vacuous, uninformed, unchallenged opinions out there. I want to get to the bottom line and cut through the nonsense. So with this podcast with William Hill, I'm going to get people with strong views who think they can stand them up to proper scrutiny. There's a good chance I might learn something along the way. And more importantly, so might you. Joining me in today's episode, a local Liverpool boy who quickly became a club icon at Anfield, nicknamed God amongst his own fans, forging memorable strike partnerships beginning with Ian Rush and ending with Michael Owen. He currently stands as the Premier League's eighth all-time scorer with 163 goals along the way. And his time in football hasn't stopped as he swaps the pitch for the dugout. Robbie Fowler, welcome to Upfront. Thanks for having me. Nice to see you, mate. Um, Robbie, in these in these podcasts, when I'm talking to you guys, you elite sportsmen, one of the things, one of the first things we do, is try and get an understanding of their background. Okay. Um, to understand what made them and where they came from and what went underneath the bonnet to create this elite sportsman. Now, your background was obviously Toxtiff. Yes. People like me will know Toxtiff early 80s with the Toxtiff riots and that will be yeah. an ignorant point of view because I'm sure it's famous for other things than just the Toxtiff riots but that was your background and, and that's where you came from so walk me through what created you yeah, I think you're spot on I think when people talk about Toxtiff and you know certainly from where I was from um, I mean it wasn't the most well-to-do place mm -hmm. but you know it, it's literally it, it's literally probably about a mile from the city centre of Liverpool and I'm a real Liverpool lad um, bit of a tough upbringing you know my mum and dad had split up um, I'd never really lived with my dad, you know, and I'm not going down the, you know, the, the realms of, I want everyone to feel sad for me about my upbringing. My upbringing was brilliant. I was still close to my dad. Uh, I was very, very close to my mum, but I lived with my mum. So my upbringing was was probably slightly different than the than the average family, I should say. Was football for you a way out of perhaps not the most ideal yeah, of I circumstances? Mean, I, I mean, I know what you're saying, and and I can get it, but you know. I can see it now. If I if I go back into my the start of my my life or the start of my football career, yes, I can see that. But when I'm playing football, you know, th there was no chance I was thinking this is a way out. Right. I, mean, I, I played football because I loved the game. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I was forever playing football in in the schoolyard. I was forever playing football. You know, when I get home from school, I lived in Masonettes, and uh, where I lived, there was there was lots and lots of families uh, who you know different age groups. So. Um, I mean, I, I was playing football from, you know, from four or five years of yeah. age, you know, against lads who were, you know, 12, 13, 14. Um, so I think that shapes you more than anything in terms of becoming a better player. Uh, I mean, I, if, if I was to sit here and say, you know, I wanted to play football because I wanted a better life. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I would be far from the, uh, mm. the correct answer because I genuinely never thought about it. I mean, I was so lucky to have played the career and had the career I had, um, you know, got paid well for it. But I was lucky because I was getting paid for my hobby. Yeah. But you made your own luck, yeah, didn't you? Of, made your own of, luck, yeah. of course, you know, and I, I think any anyone will tell you, any sports person will tell you, you know, you need a little bit of talent, but you need a lot, a lot of luck yeah. along the way as well, um, and a lot of mental fortitude and resilience. Yeah, I, I think that's probably one of the, the the things that I'm I'm probably good at. I think the, the mental side of my game is is very good. The, mm. the mental side of me, um, and I probably the older I've gotten, you know, certainly when I was playing uh, in games for Liverpool and, and other clubs, you know, I, I think. I think that separates, you know, the, the the weaker players from the stronger players. If you if you're mentally tough, mm -hmm. I think you can probably adapt to certain situations better. And I think I was I think I was quite good at that. When you say weaker players, I'm not asking you to name any players, by the way. What, what does a weaker mental attitude look like on the pitch? Well, I, I just think it, it's ardent, you know, when the times when times tough, are tough, yeah. when you're having bad results, you know, when you, you need Still players to so, you stand up. It, it's shown for the ball yeah. and, and, and trying to be an example. Uh, I mean, we've, we've all seen players in the game, you know, and obviously no names, but mm. when, when when times are tough, you know, you, players hide behind others. So all of a sudden, when there's a pass to be on, uh, yeah. you know, a pass to be had. They look like they're available, but they're really not. But they're not. Yeah. You know, they, they go a little bit quiet. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't think I was ever like that. You know, I, I'm quite... 
I'm, I'm quite confident on the football pitch. You know, I'm mm-hmm. quite confident in and around uh, the, uh, the the football environment. Um, probably because I loved what I was doing. You know, and I, I never felt, I never really felt any pressure doing it either. But am I right that you were were you a boyhood Everton fan? I was, yes. Right. All my dad's family were were reds right except my dad who was a blue uh, and all my mum's family are all Liber- uh, are all Everton fans and still Everton fans now right. but I, I was brought up in mum so I'm going to obviously congregate to you know, obviously to yep. to that side of the family um, and I used to go to the games I mean, my favourite players growing up were obviously Trevor Stephen and, and Graeme Sharp right um, but you can imagine Liverpool and Everton in the eighties when I was Kevin growing Sheedy. up. The, the football was the football was brilliant, yeah. um, and I was never I was never sort of a bitter Evertonian where I, I couldn't stand Liverpool. You know, I was never one mm. of them. Uh, I mean, I appreciated good football, but at that pick that particular time, you know, Everton were as good as Liverpool. Indeed, you know, they were yeah. in, in the eighties, and uh, I was playing for Liverpool schoolboys. Now, Liverpool schoolboys, as you probably know, is obviously no affiliation to Liverpool mm-hmm. Football Club. Uh, and when you play for there, you get all the scouts from the, you know, the, from all the football clubs. And the first scout that come up to me was uh, was a scout called Jim Aspinall, uh, who's sadly no longer with us. But he was the one who, who spotted me, uh, and you know he was, uh, you know, he wanted me to ply my trade at Liverpool. And what were you then? Were you a goal scoring machine? What were you? Were you were you a, were you a, were you a, were you a young star? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was I was a goal scorer. Yeah, I, I wouldn't go as far as the machine because. Um, I, I was okay, you know. Was I the best player? Probably not. In all fairness, we had a player called um, Tony Grant who, who went on to Everton. Um, never had the career I had, but he growing up, he was he was far yeah. better than me. Uh, obviously, our careers went obviously different paths. He went Everton, I went to Liverpool. Uh, he was probably the the, the main player. Because it would have been a big thing to have been to have been picked up to go to Liverpool in '89. Uh, yeah, probably. In, a, in fact, it was probably a little bit earlier. In all fairness, probably eighty seven, eighty eight. Because uh, they've been in their pomp, then, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it's one of them. So when you when you're a kid now, and I think football is is different now, where you, you get picked up for academies yeah, when you're four, five, yeah, six yeah, years of age. Right. Whereas I think we had two coaches for the old for the older the age groups, uh, which was uh, sorry, three coaches. One was Steve Iway, who's an absolute Liverpool legend. A brilliant player, yeah, and uh, a great and a great coach yeah, as well, yeah. Very good, and a fellow called Ewan McCauley and Dave Shannon, uh, and I just, I, I think back now and I'm uh, like, I, I can't imagine the, the amount of work and the amount of effort they put in for for trying to mm. to make so many good players because you know you look at academies now and there's, I mean there's, there's 30, 40, 50, mm. 50 staff, and at the time we, we only had you know we only had three of three of them. Um, we have Michael Owen here, and and in. Not suggesting that Michael Home, I mean, was being big-headed and that you're very self-effacing, but he was very, very specific about the fact that he had no doubt that he was going to be the best player, and that not necessarily well, he wasn't when I played, was he? Well, I'm just saying <laughs> what he said, mate. <laughs> um, but he had no doubt that he was better than everyone else, um, and that you know that, that his route was clear in his own minds. Yeah. Were you on that page? I mean, before I before I left school, um, I mean, I was I was not bad in school in all fairness. I was in all the top groups, yep. but before I left school, I was guaranteed a, a one-year YTS, which is obviously a one-year apprenticeship and a, a three-year pro. So I knew I was going to be a professional footballer. Yep. Now, whatever level I was going to get to, I mean, that was up to me after yep. school. Um, so I knew I was going to go down that route. I mean, I, I knew from from a young age I wanted to be a professional footballer. Never wanted to be anything else. Did you have so. any backstops in your mind? Did you, was it priced in? You got a one year YTS with a pro contract on the back of it, right? Yeah. But if there was this, if the worst had come to the worst, did you have any thought processes that anything else was on the no, horizon for you? Absolutely no. No, this was it. Shit yeah. No, I, it yeah. was it was football, football or nothing. Yeah. Um, and I mean, suppose I'm one of them. You know, if you if you're that focused and you, you know you want to, you know, you want something, and you you go after the outcome. You, you've got to you've got to put everything into yeah, it, and right. you know that, that's the way I was. So I was so so visionary yeah, in terms yeah, of so you know, blinkered on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I wanted to be that footballer. Uh, now I know what Michael's saying in terms of. Um, I mean, I remember Michael coming through, and he, 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 you could see Michael was. Was was a different class compared mm. to all the other players. Now I'm not saying I was like that when I was a kid, but I was scoring goals from a relatively young age. Um, you know, I never scored and I never played. You know, hundreds of games in reserves. I was more or less frustrating to the yep. first team. So, I mean, I I sort of done my apprenticeship in the first team. Mm. You know, in, in, in all honesty, um, baptism of fire, which might be yeah, better. I, I, that's not a bad thing. You know, you, you, it's it's sink or swim. Absolutely, and, I, I I think that works in a lot of aspects of life. I mean. It, 
he talks about having a natural talent for goal scoring, and I'm not going to do. I promise you, I'm not going to do many too too many compares and contrasts between you and Michael Owen, right? But notwithstanding it, you two were in the same space, yeah. playing for the same club, both renowned goal scorers. But we, did you fall into the camp of a natural goal scorer? Because it seemed to, to me he was very very casual about it. Yeah. it was very easy to him. It came naturally. Yeah, no, I mean football. Football came easy obviously but it came easy because I practiced and it, I mean I obviously I've done all my pro by um you know my, my coaching badges and I've done a thesis on um on my pro license and it was about the the nature or, or or natural aspect of of professionals you know um and I'm I'm a massive believer in in nature over nurture right because sorry no I'm a natural believer in in nurture over nature yeah, I was gonna um, say, yeah. yeah because I think all of us are generally born with something. You know, yeah. we are, but getting out you need someone. something to get out. Um, yeah. And this is probably what annoys me about sort of my career. And, you know, I have it all the time. Even now people go, oh, you're probably one of the most naturally gifted goal scorers. But I worked hard. I mean, I genuinely worked very, very hard. And, I mean, I was so focused in, in terms of what I wanted to be and what I wanted to do. I mean, I, I was kicking balls and... Um, left foot right foot I mean when I was first started playing I, I genuinely couldn't use my right foot I couldn't do it mm. but I practiced all the time why would it annoy you that people make this assumption because those that know know don't they yes and of course those that are valuable opinions but you, you made the point that it annoys you that people naturally assume that natural ability and it's not hard work you know yeah and your outcome is the end product so why would it irritate you a little bit because I want people to know that I've worked hard. When you talk about natural ability, you know, things are, you know, you're playing because you know you're a natural goal scorer. Yeah. Well, I mean, for me, that's not right because yeah. I worked. I mean, it game, undermines so, the application that yeah, you put in to get to the level uh, exactly. That you're at. Yeah. And, and I worked hard, and I mean, every single day I, I was going home, you know, practicing. Yeah. And you, you become you become better at doing so because the repetition, the monotony mm. of doing it over and over again, yeah. and that's probably where the natural ability or the natural well, you bring out the natural ability, you enhance it, don't exactly, you? Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Walking into a Liverpool dressing room, what, 17? 17 years 17, of age. 17, yeah. Irrespective of how dominant Liverpool are, and the Premier League is just starting, isn't it? I think it's yeah. the first season, isn't it? What was it like? You're walking in, I, I went to Liverpool, I went down to the boot room, tiny little room that is, sat with Sammy Lee, <laughs> looked around, you know, it's a massive football club. And you as a 17-year-old kid, walk into this environment, getting your baptism of fire, as you describe, What's it like walking in there with these figures of reputation and this club of stature? The, the way you put it there, and I mean, I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I never looked at it like that didn't way. Give it that thought no, because I mean, I knew how big Liverpool was. I knew how big the players were. I, I sort of understood football. I knew how good they were. But I was so confident in what I could do. So I was more focused in, on, on, on me. So, I mean... Did you feel you merited to be there? Didn't yeah, feel any yeah, intimidation I, I, about I it did. at all? I, I did. You know, obviously with, with the games and goals and never ever felt overawed or mm. never felt I shouldn't have been there um, I mean I probably got to a point when I was first starting where I probably wasn't ready but then you know the, the more you train with him then yeah. you know and this, this is why I love Graham Sooners actually because he, he was like you know he, he was man enough to I'm not sure what he can say that anymore can you or he was person enough to um, you can mate can we nothing wrong with yeah, that yeah so he, he was uh, he was man enough to obviously to put me in uh, and I, I loved that about him yeah. because he knew I was ready, and mm. whether I, I thought I was myself, I didn't know. Um, but you know, thankfully, I've gone in a team, and um, I think there's a, there's a difference between confidence and cockiness. Yeah, I, and I was I was confident, but I, I was never I was never cocky. You know, I never. Well, cocky's a bit arrogant, isn't it? It's a bit yeah, it's a bit uh, ignorant as well. Yeah, isn't it? and, and well, that's one confidence thing. Confidence is different, isn't it? That's one thing I've never been. To be fair, I think I'm. Um, it's belief in yourself, and but the, the, you know when you start projecting onto other people about how good you are, then people can categorise, and you don't need to. If you're good, you're no, good. Yeah, right. no, I'm I'm all for that. Yeah. Talking about Sunis, I'm I'm very fond of Graham and spend a fair amount of time with him and and speak to him about his time at Liverpool and levied the accusation that he had the most. Unproductive time in yeah. terms of he's one of the Liverpool managers with the worst records, which I know he doesn't like, and of course he's a very he's very proud of that football club, yeah. values it very highly. I mean, obviously you'd have been young, and you might have seen some of it and not been and been oblivious to uh, to others. Yeah. But when you reflect upon that, what 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 do you what do you look at it like now? You know, was was Graham a visionary? In terms of football in the UK, he yeah. probably was. Um, our football at that particular time probably wasn't ready, mm -hmm. so. I do get the, you know, the instance where people think 
he come in and try to change it too mm. soon. Um, but what Graham is trying to implement is exactly what every football club does now. Mm. Um, Just ahead of his time. I think so. Yeah. Um, and f- it was hard for players to sort of get into because, you know, I look at Ian Rush and think he's, he's the best goal scorer I've ever seen. So if he has a drink, it might work. Yeah. So I come into that culture as well. So mm. I'm not saying I was all eating dour and never no. drank. But I drank, you know, because that was what we did and that's what the culture I sort of come into football was all about um, and if it worked for them and all of a sudden you think well if you've got to try and change your attitude and your mental aspect to to do something that you, you've that you've not necessarily done before but you've been doing it this way because you've won mm. everything that the club's got to offer uh, and then all of a sudden you've got to change it, it's hard yeah, it's, hard to, a it's hard to adapt yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think probably even Graham now would accept himself that he wasn't fundamentally wrong in the principles of professionalising the football club, preparing it for the next generation of opportunities in football where the game is changing. Yeah. Um, but maybe slowly, slowly catching monkey, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Carragher talks about, Jamie Carragher, about the perceived responsibility of local boys playing in their side. He used Marcus Rashford as an example and what's happening at Man United and the players not stepping up. Yeah. Um, but did you feel that having come from that particular area that you felt there was a greater obligation or responsibility upon you to do things in every game and every opportunity? I, I never felt it amongst the fans. I always felt, um, I mean, I had a real good affinity with the fans because of where I was from. Yeah. Um, we don't get called God for nothing, do you? <laughs> well, I mean, I've been called lots, lots worse. <laughs> well, God's not a bad one, is it? It is, actually. Uh, but yeah, I think the fact is that, you know, I always looked at it and, I think the fans always seen a little bit themselves in me because right. of because of where I was from, yeah. and they probably seen this local kid done good, and you know I think that's probably why they always talk to me. And and look, I do get certain people, you know, whether it's Jamie Carragher, it's Michael Owen, and and they, they can talk about you know playing for you know for, for these clubs and you know understanding what it means from a fan yeah. point of view, but. It never, never materialised with me. Do you think I'll he's wrong though in the assertion that there's, there's almost? An, I think the underlying observation was there's an inherent responsibility for players that understand the value of the football club, come through that football club, get it, and what it means to people, that they would carry a greater burden yeah, of no, obligation. I, I do, do you think he's wrong that, or, yeah. or do you think he's right? No, on no that? I think he, he might. He's, he's wrong for me. Yeah, um, but, but because be right I, never, I never, I never, I never worried yeah. or you know thought about that other players might do so I mean what what's right for me is not necessarily right for other players yeah um, and, and look, I do get it everyone goes into a different game with a different a different attitude a different mm-hmm. mentality um, but it wasn't for me I mean I I, I appreciated it you know I'm not saying anyone else doesn't appreciate yeah. it I appreciate it because because I got on well with the fans and I think the fact is that I sort of knew if I went out there and played the way I could then you know there wouldn't be a problem you know, per se with me obviously you have this remarkable start to your career I mean short irrespective of scoring six goals in your first three or four games or whatever it was you three seasons of scoring 30 odd goals right I would say that in today's society that might be considered what top strikers do yeah. but in your time you know, a goal in every two games, because I made the observation to Michael Rowan about being bland by scoring one goal in two wouldn't get him to win the Ballon yeah. d'Or in this day and age. And he told me that the players of his generation were much better than the modern day footballers. I, I, I agree. But you know what you're saying? Go back do to you what you're saying that? there, Simon, as well. You know, it, do, you, do you agree with Michael's observation that you guys in your period were better than the players now? Yeah. I, Why? I, I, because, because it was my period. That that's simply. I mean, what you were saying there before about what you know, what um, you know, Michael winning, you know, scoring one and two. Um, now you probably wouldn't win the Ballon d'Or with that nowadays. Uh, I get that, but you also mentioned the fact is that you know players score 31, 32, 33 goals, you know, a year. I mean, mm. I've done that as a young kid. Um, it's remarkable. But no one's done it since. So no, I know that. So yeah. you know that, that for me, that's an incredible yeah. achievement and. When you think about football and you think of lifestyles from where we are now to where we were when we played, I mean, football has changed. There's, there's no doubt it about has, yeah. it. I mean, the game's probably quicker. The players are looked, you know, looked at the better. Um, but that's not not a slant or you know on what we were doing because we we done what we needed to mm. do. And if we were to adapt to to the culture of today, we do it. I think we as players, yeah, I think I think we were technically very very good. We might not be as fit as um, you know some of the players. But if if you put me in the game today, I mean, I have no doubt, and I, I would score more goals. Given given that, and also the the adoration 
of the Liverpool fans. I mean, you don't get called. I mean, Matthew Letizia got called Lagod at Southampton, but <laughs> with respect to Matthew, Liverpool's on a different level to yeah. Southampton. You're getting called God by Liverpool fans, and you and you're revered. Why didn't this translate into England? The genuine answer is I don't know because um, I mean I'd scored almost almost a hundred goals before I got my first cap. I mean, what did you that? I, I think I think it's extraordinary. In all honesty, I genuinely think it's 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 a little bit of a head wrecker. So who would have been the coach? The Taylor. No, no, it was after Graham Taylor. So, the, the so it would have been Venables. Venables, yeah. yeah. Venables, Glenn. obviously, give me my. So, uh, Glenn Oddle, uh, Terry Venables, Glenn Oddle. Sven. Sven, yeah. yeah. So, did they were but in, but in your, But in your, you know, your pomp, when you're, you're a fly machine, you know, you're scoring 33 goals, 30 odd goals a season in the first three seasons. Today and age, you'd be in the England squad like that. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, well, but, what, but at the why time. Do you, why do you think that is? I mean, I know there's players around, there's Shearer, there's Sheringham, there's Wright, there's Ferdinand, there's Cole. But you'd put yourself up with those guys, wouldn't yeah, you? And genuinely, I would back myself to be better than them all. You know, that, that's obviously me yeah. and, and obviously my belief and my confidence in, in myself and what I could do. Um, in terms of goal scoring, I was probably, I was probably the best at the time. You know, I'm not saying I was playing in the, in the best team by any means. Uh, I never had a team that was built around me, uh, what other players mm. did. Um, but when you when you think of sort of England teams, and, well, you're talking about Blackburn or Shearer. Yeah, 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 I think teams and and obviously other teams, you know, possibly right here, uh, you know, Arsenal uh, as yeah. well. Um, you know, and there's other players, and I'm not having a go with them. You know, no, it doesn't really doesn't concern me, to be fair. And I mean, what concerned me was the the amount of goals I'd scored and I still couldn't get a look in. Now, you you think back and think well, it's probably wrong, but being a manager now and being a coach now, you think. If you're a manager and you're comfortable with certain players in, in certain formations or certain certain players in certain roles, then you're going to go with that. You know, and at the time it's hard to take because you think, well, I should be a given, I should but be it's a, But it's more than one manager though, isn't it? Right? You're smashing it, yet you're not getting the opportunities. And it's not just one England manager, it's two or three England managers is it? Do you yeah. think it's anything about you? Do you think there's anything you could have done differently? Is it anything about perception? Because I know that there's issues yeah. in, in where you feel that perceptions of you are not always where they should be. What, what, I mean, I, I think. I mean, I got I think 26 England caps, uh, and it was probably a few months ago where I was sort of delving into obviously my England career, and I only started 11 games, mm. and out of the 11 games, I only finished four of them. So. Did I did I get a probably a decent chance? chance? Yeah, yeah. Probably not. In all fairness, and I mean, people can can make it out what they want. You know, but you what know. do you make of it? If people can make of it what they want, but it's more important what you make of it. Yeah, well, well, what I make of it is that the, the managers at a particular time thought other players were better. Mm. You know, and that that's the simplicity of it. You know, mm. I can sit here and I can cry and I can, you know, I can pour milk on anything, but. You know, the fact the fact of the matter is that that's what the the managers were thinking. I don't agree with it. You know, and I still won't agree with it. Did you enjoy playing for England? No, I never enjoyed playing for England for the simple fact is I never played enough. When I played, right. when I played, of course, you know, I did love playing for England, but I always felt I was a bit part player. I always felt I was going to go down there and I was never, ever going to play. Um, now, I think anyone will tell you, if you're going down there all the time and you're in squads and you're never really getting a look in, it's a bit, bit demoralising. It's more than a bit demoralising because the amount of goals had scored, you know, from from a club. So I'm not saying that you have to have a defined right to go and to go and start, you know, any game for England. But uh, want a fair quick. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd, I'd like to think that the games I did start and the games I did play, I'd done okay. Um, but I mean, the fact that managers just thought other players were better. I mean, I, I can't, I can't speak for them other than, other than that, mm. Simon. In all honesty, did it, okay. Did it annoy you, irritate you, honestly? Here, that Owen seems to have been taken so readily into the England setup. Did that sit? You're playing in the same side. There is an element of the, and this is perception, mate. So don't yep. get irritated by it. Um, that Owen is eclipsing you. Um, you you'll probably see it differently. Yep. No, absolutely. And yeah. he's in the England setup, and pff, it's lights, camera, action for Michael Owen. And it seems to me that you're becoming a little bit of an afterthought. Does that irritate yeah. you? 
I mean, did I want Michael to fail or did I want him not to do well? I wanted to get, of course, I wanted, I wanted a playing, yeah. but I did not want Michael to, no, to not succeed. I, I know you would, I'm not no, suggesting I, that you would, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm not saying that, but I, I mean, I'm just talking from my point of view. I think, you know, players are sort of one dimensional in terms of looking after ourselves. We've yeah. always done that. Which is you what know, you have to that do. Is, um, you know, and I think that's probably why that is, I scored him out. Because you are, you, you are a little bit selfish. Mm-hmm. Um, but, Especially the strikers. Uh, of course, yeah. and I think you probably need to be, uh, in all honesty, but... If you if you think of a you know a footballing person and you know you know the, the way they are and the, the way people's perception of them is, I think Michael's perception is you know he, he thought more of England than than his club. Yeah. Uh, but with mine, it's I, I thought yeah. more of a club than than England. Yeah. Now it could have been the other way around if, if I'd have played more. Which for would England. have been which kind of would have endeared you to. Scouse fans, because there is this Scouse mentality yeah, about uh, England, of course, yeah, and the, and the royal family and all that goes with that, isn't there? So that well, the, the the royal family is relatively new, isn't it? You know, I th- I, th- I think if you go back as far as I mean, you, you look at the, the cup finals in in eighty eighty six, they were they were the national anthem. No, then. no, no, not then. No, so I think that is a relatively new thing. Um, but look, it, it is what it is in terms of football. You know, people people can think what they want. Um, I mean, I always thought I was better than Michael uh, in all honesty, even when Michael was coming through, you know, and I'm not sitting here being egotistical or, or being derogatory towards Michael. I think the only thing, and I mean, this might get a little bit of a thing, this, but Michael was quicker than me. Yeah. And But every every other element of being a striker, I genuinely think I was better. Right. Now, Michael can sit here and he can say this, exactly the same thing. But that is my opinion, and that is my self confidence. I was, I was better in every aspect of, mm. of being being a striker, you know. And, and look, that might come across as you know. Not sure for you, mate. E- egotistical, but Michael can look after himself. Can't uh, he? Of course he can, and you know, and I get on very well with Michael. Uh, in all honesty, um, but you know, Michael will sit and say the same thing yeah. because he has that incredible confidence, and and he played to the level he did because. Because he, I mean, he, he was I, think, a great I don't think player. there's anything wrong, Robbie, with having belief in yourself. If you don't believe in yourself, who's going to believe in you? If exactly. you would believe you were, I mean, people will take those sort of words and twist them how they want, right? Yeah. But you say what you mean and mean what you say. Uh, if, of course. And, I, and I, I, I think I've done things in my life where I've been better than other people. And sometimes I say it and sometimes I don't. Yep. In the context of the way that I'm framing questions, I, I'm almost making you say some to some extent because I'm putting you in a corner and saying about yeah. owing with this and I think it's entirely fucking right that you turn <laughs> yeah. around and go, Well actually by the way, I think I'm this and I think I'm yeah. there. Talking about strike partnerships and talking about players that you've played with, I mean you formed various partnerships with with Ian, with Ian yep. Rush, um, with Michael, uh, and with Stan Collymore. Yep. When you look back on those, which was the most enjoyable to play with? And is there is there a hierarchical structure in strike partnerships? Uh, there the probably is, uh, in all fairness, now, in, in terms of how your team want to play. Now, I think of anyone will tell you who their best strike partner is, was, is the player that you score your most goals with. Correct. Yeah. Um, I mean, Michael, is that true, though? Yeah, I think so, yeah. yes, definitely. Uh, now, my, be- my best strike partner was, was Stan Collymore. Stan Collymore. Now, yeah. I'm not saying Stan's the best player I've ever played with, uh, but... He was a good player, uh, yeah, he was mm. brilliant. Mm. He was he was brilliant. Now, in terms of players to play with, I mean, I thought Steve McManaman was unbelievable. Steve yeah. McManaman was incredible. But in terms of strike partners, Stan was my best because I had my most fruitful time scoring goals playing with him. Um, Julier comes in mm-hmm. in '98. It feels like it's a different feel for you in that relationship. You get a knee injury, and that, that sort of keeps you out, doesn't it, for '97, '98? We discussed Michael bursting onto the scene and the '98 World Cup and all that went with that. Whilst 98 is still somewhere away from your departure, you're beginning to move into the area yeah. where potentially you're coming to the end of your time at Liverpool. What was your relationship like with Julier? Because I get mixed perceptions of Gerard Julier. Danny Murphy will tell me he's the best thing since sliced bread and absolutely adored him. I get the impression that that's not the same for you. Yeah, yeah I mean... Uh, of course, I think Danny will say because he played under him. Um, yeah. Any manager, I mean, we spoke before about England managers, didn't we? Yeah. Any manager you play under, of course, you're going to have a real good affiliation with. Um, now, what I'm, what I will tell you about Gerard Hooley is he never played me, so you know I disliked him for that. You know, yeah. I never got on well with him, but that doesn't mean I disliked him as as a bloke, as a person, yeah. as a manager. Um, you know, I genuinely thought what he brought to Liverpool was 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 brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, again, you know, we spoke before about Graeme Soonis in terms of how we changed the, the lifestyle and the culture of 
that particular Liverpool team. Gerard Houle done the same. Uh, and, and that was probably hard for me to adapt but to. But you do say in your autobiography that he lied to you. Yes, he did. Um, I mean, on more than one occasion, uh, because he tried to sell me. Um, yeah. And when I, obviously I confronted him, he, he denied, denied it. So, it, yeah. I mean, I don't know what else to say because, I, I mean, you know, Gerard genuinely was, was a nice man. Yeah. He was. And uh, I, I did fall out with him. I really did. But I fell out with every manager who I ever played with. You know, and that, that's me. Is that because you're, is that when you say fallout, is it your disappointment about not being picked at certain uh, uh, times? Is that it, or yeah, is it, was course. it personality clashes? No, absolutely not a personality clash. I I could not stand not playing. Yeah. I mean that that was. If you that's think how it should it, be, though, yeah, yeah. I think if you think of the modern game, so I mean, now you get players who, who are happy sitting on behind. Yeah, that stinks. I, I mean, that that is wrong for me. Yeah. You know, I I left Liverpool um, because I wasn't playing. And, and it, it killed me to leave Liverpool. And it's not not being disrespectful to yeah. Leeds. It's not being disrespectful of Man City. I wanted this to was, stay at Liverpool. Yeah, yeah. Now looking back, it I know you're a commodity. You know, yeah. and this this probably what annoys me with the game now. So if, if you're looking at it from the outside, you know the players get a lot of stick, don't they, about loyalty? Yeah. But loyalty is a two way street, and it and it works from a club side of it as well. Yeah. So you know, the, the the minute you're deemed not good enough, the club will get rid. So if it, it comes in the other way, it's. You know, the players are the ones that get all the stick. Now, I know you'll come back at me now because you're obviously yeah. an owner and a chairman and yeah. you've been that aspect, uh, you know, you've seen that side of it, but you are a commodity and the minute you're deemed not good enough, the club will ship you. But won't you be deemed not good enough because of your own actions? If I sign you as a player and put you on a three-year contract and pay the prerequisite costs of having a Robbie Fowler in my dressing room, your form deteriorates, you're no longer required... It's not because I devalue you because of your commodity. It's because you ain't doing your job. And so subsequently you become less valuable to me. I suppose there's situations yeah. when the dynamic is changed and the club actually is in financial trouble and it wants to get you out the door and sells yeah. you for a certain perspective. But that ain't the case at Liverpool. No, but if you, if you look at the 2001 season, and, and I do get what you're saying there, and I understand that. Uh, and to a degree, I agree with you. But I mean, I think back to 2001. Now, Gerard Hooley comes in... Um, not comes in, but Gerard who is the manager, and, and obviously his first choice was Emmy Lesky and yeah. and Michael Owen. Um, but I'd like to think in that season, I'm more than done enough to help the team and achieve what we did. You know, it mm. scored, you know, eighteen goals without being prop, a proper regular. So I, I never let anyone down, and I wasn't. I was still a good player. I was still mm. scoring goals, but ultimately a manager will come in and he'll play. You know, the, the players he wants to play. In my eyes, I'm, I'm still good enough. Yeah. But the clubs don't want you, so... Well, I, but I, see, the difficulty on that one, isn't it? A little bit. Because if you're a proper club owner, you will allow your manager to have the freedom of expression to do what he wants to do. Yeah. If you're a busy bastard, you'll get involved and start involving yourself in decisions. So if a manager doesn't want, doesn't fancy a player, it's not really the club owner's job to, or the club's job to step in and say, well, actually, we have an inherent responsibility to not treat him as a commodity and, not, yep. and show some loyalty to him, when really it's the managers that make those decisions, isn't it, of which you yeah. are one now. Yeah. Uh, so it's not about commodifying something or, or making something a commodity. It's just about the reality of the world. Uh, you sign a contract yeah. with a club, you get paid. Sometimes you get paid for doing a not particularly good job, and sometimes you get paid for doing a brilliant job. And sometimes circumstances change, and players get bought and sold. I think it's sometimes disappointing when players think that it's a one-way transaction because I don't think it is. No, it, it, I'm not saying it's a one-way. I'm saying it's a two-way street. Yeah. You know, the, the players, so loyalty for me is a two-way street. Um, you know, if you deem not good enough, the, the club will, will quickly. Yeah. Now, I, I know what you're saying in terms of you're not scoring goals, you're not playing well. Then you're then, not good enough. Of course, yeah. yeah but, but, but it wasn't the case in your place. But I was yeah. good enough, yeah. you know, and I was scoring goals. When you look at your career, I mean, for me... When I speak to when I when I speak to you and I look at your record and I remember watching the Liverpool side of the of the of the nineties and I and I remember you and I remember certain things that you did and we'll talk about one of them in a minute because it always comes up right yeah. and I get I'm not going to particularly dwell on the Spice Boys bollocks because I find mm. that a bit formulaic and irritating you've probably been asked it about a thousand oh, times yeah. right um, but I don't think you've got the credit that you should get because even me when I look at your goal scoring record I think I don't remember Robbie Fowler being as prolific as that I don't remember it him being as uh, clearly because yeah. statistics don't lie yeah. as compelling as he was and I, and I wonder how you look about it because I think is it fair to say Robbie that after your injury in 97-98 you're probably not the same player yeah I mean at the time I'll be honest with you I didn't think of that 
it's only probably when you finish your career you probably think I probably wasn't the same player. Right. Um, but I, I still scored goals. Yeah. I mean, but probably not at a point where I scored goals. And I mean, at the start of the show, you mentioned the, the fact is that I'm probably eighth, I think eighth in the all time Premier yeah. League. I mean, I, Which is I, a remarkable stat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I genuinely, genuinely proper proud of that. So you should be. Uh, and, you know, obviously I've not played the game for, I mean, my last game in, in, in the UK was probably 2007. 2006 right. so it's it's a long time 15, 16, for me to ago, still be yeah. you know where I am mm-hmm. um, I mean it shows you sort of how how good I was yeah. I think my career could have been a lot better if it had probably looked after himself a little bit better what does that mean? Um, well I mean I went out and I was probably not professional the way you see professionals now um, but that was me being culturally doing what was right at that particular time for for what the players were you doing. Product you know, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. The, the product of the environment, yeah. I think, um, I mean, I'd, I'd go out maybe a few times a week and um, it, it's just what we did. But I never thought it affected me, uh, in all honesty. Now you can you can look back and look look on your career and the fact is that maybe went out, that, that might have been instrumental in why I had so many injuries. Um, you know, I mean, I've had, you know, I broke my leg, two ankle operations, uh, knee operations, two hip operations. Um, I suffered with, a, obviously, a bad back as well. So when I think of all that and still think of the amount of goals I scored, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. still genuinely proud of what I've achieved, but I could have I could have achieved more. I mean, it kind of leads me on, I mean, to an area where your image and the perception of you and I think this is something that might bring the, not me, not me personally, but I think it's something that brings the heckles up with you a little bit about people's perception of you. But they're saying you're a bit rough around the edges, a bit yep. of a troublemaker. Um, what do you think to that perception and, 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 and how relational do you think it is to where you are now? Yeah, I think I think rough around the rough around the edges sounds is, a bit patronising. Yeah, I don't mean. I, mean, to sound I, th- that way. I think that's because of where I'm from. Yeah, uh, in all honesty, um, give this label the toxic terror. Yeah, and I, I, shit I mean like the, that the, the fact is that you know you, you throw in a, 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 a toxic terror, just like it says something straight away, doesn't it? You know, and I know it's it's maybe a play on words because obviously you, you're terrorising yeah. the fences, but other people mightn't see that. You know, other people might think, oh, he's from toxic. He's yeah. you know a little bit you know rougher on the edges yeah. uh, and he's a troublemaker I mean far from her you know I, I was brought up well you know I spoke before about you know my mum and dad not living together but I'm always respectful I've always been respectful but do I've, you think Robbie I mean again um, do you think the goal celebration you're going to have to answer to this yeah, one right because you, you invited this one upon yourself uh, right well, well you, you do a goal celebration where you're you know snorting a line of coke yeah and I know I know you're going to say you're taking a piss out of Everton fans yeah. that give it to you right but they give it to you because they're creating a perception of what they perceive you to be, and you're playing into that stereotype. No, it wasn't a perception of what I was. It was because it was rumours flying about. That's Liverpool. my point. Yeah, it's a perception. So, yeah, but, it's not necessarily yeah, but, but the truth. It, it's, they're, they're, it's not because anyone see me. Doing no, 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 that's no. Not, no. Yeah, and, and I understand that. that. That's not the point yeah. I'm making. The people are. Well, you know what football fans are. They'll use of anything course, they can to get you course. off your game, right? But you going back at them with something that most people would say. You know, recreational habits are everyone's own business, right? And no one's suggesting you were involved in that. But you playing into that narrative yeah. will steer into the idea that people are going to yeah, say, no, no, oh, fucking hell, Robbie, what, what yeah, can't be I mean, that? Genuinely, it was me winding them up. Now, you talk about my career and, you know, I obviously went out and because I, I could go out and people think, well, I mean, he's out, he must be on this or he's yeah. that. And, and the amount of people who see me do this, I mean, it's frightening, which... Is, is bullshit because I genuinely never ever been involved or you know never touched the stuff and I, and I wouldn't because I spoke before about I loved the game you know and I didn't want to throw it away for being like an idiot you know mm-hmm. and I never once thought well I'll give it a go never once entered my mind and people used to always say oh he's on this he's on that and again I'll, I'll, I'll mention a little story about my dad my dad come up to me once and my dad said to me when he said listen son he said um you know, I'm hearing that many rumours that you're on drugs. He, he said, are you? And I went, Dad, I said, I can't believe you're asking me that. He went, sorry. He said, he said, sorry, son. He said, I'll never ask you again. And it got to the point where everyone in Liverpool was thinking I was I was on it. And Why why would they think that? I mean, just because you're out and about and a little oh, bit well, larger well, than well, life? I don't know. Maybe. And I, I mean, I wasn't large in life, so I mean, I, I'm... Because it's a shit categorisation, isn't it? it it's, it's awful, yeah. yeah. And I mean, if you go into sort of any environment now, uh, probably 90% of... You know the people who are in a certain place are, are doing it now. Mm. I mean, I haven't played the game for years, and 
I, I could come out and say, well, yeah, I was, if yeah. if I was, but I, I wasn't, and I, I, I always def- I always find myself defending myself. Oh. But you've got to on this one, Rob. You've got to because you're the one that did. I mean, yeah. I look at it and think you're a far better player than that. You're far bigger than that, and yet you give it to them. You give them that opportunity. Yeah. You hand it to them, round it up in a little bundle, and said, "There you go." But that that was not that was not like that. That was me winding them up or trying to wind them up. So it was a it was a case of user all saying this, you know. And I, I planned it. But if you was if you was a manager now, or yeah. oh, you are a manager now, what I'm talking about, and you have a player. That did that. What would you say to him? <laughs> you know what? You, I don't know. Um, you would come up. You say, oh, "Don't be a uh, yeah, 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 don't be an idiot." And it, look, there's a lot of things I've been proud of. And there's, there's obviously a lot of things I haven't been proud of as well. Um, obviously, do, doing stuff with we're on a we're on a football pitch, but it's happened. But you know what? I'm a better person because it has happened. You know, it's it's made you probably appreciate things differently. It's made you sort of act differently. It's made you say different different stuff. Now, I knew at that particular time. And look, I wasn't young, you know. Let's not hide the fact that I was a kid doing it, you know. I, 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 but I planned on doing it because it used to annoy me, and it was just a case mm. of, can I swear? Can yeah. I swear? Oh, it was I've just a case of that. fuck you, you know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? And that's what it was because it was annoying. And everywhere I went, you know, I, I got tarnished and labelled with this, with this drug taker. And even now, Simon, to be honest, I'll, I'll go on social media and people will mention it. And and this was like, you know, I mean, we're talking twenty, thirty years ago. Management for you. Um, I've I've seen observations, and I've made observations yep. about you, um, um, about some of the responses that you've suggested that you've not been given opportunities, and that the opportunities haven't been afforded you. And I'm trying to work out what, like you've just sat here, you're a serious man, you know, you've had a a, 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 a significant career. Perceptions don't last forever, but there must be perceptions of others. So, for example, I would say, what's the perception of Robbie Fowler in comparison with the perception of Wayne Rooney? Because Rob, Wayne Rooney is getting yep. jobs at Derby County, going to MLS. So, what's the difference in perception between between you and him? You're 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 having to apply. You're you're having to have boots and travel. Yeah, I'm. I'm not. Look, I'm, I'm not getting into any any conversations or arguments about why he gets a chance and I don't. I mean, I. I I'm maybe different in terms of... But I think it's important, no, Robbie, no, because I, you're the one that says yeah, it. You're no, the one that says you're not given opportunities. No, no but... So I why mean, do you think that let, someone let like me, him would and you wouldn't? But let, let me sort of lead on to what I'm going to say, Simon. So in terms of what you're saying, yeah, Wayne Rooney, um, look, you know, he's his own man. He, he's, he's obviously chose his own path and he does what he wants to do. When I think about my career, I mean, I never had an agent, right? I had a financial advisor. Right. So I never... If I'm if I'm probably doing my career again, I, I I would maybe think about having an agent, because you probably get more out of the game, uh, in all honesty. So I think a lot of players do fall into into the category of coaching and managing. Wayne Rooney done it because you know you know he obviously uh, he fell into the um, obviously the Derby one. Obviously yep. his agent was yep. was was involved in that. Yeah. Uh, the agency was was involved in um, in. Um, the DC United as a player, he goes back as as, as a manager over there, uh, and, and look, fair play to him. You know what he's done. Yeah, I'm know. not pitching you against yeah. Wayne Rooney. No, no, I'm I trying know, to work that, out because you've said it. You not about Rooney, and I'm not about Lampard, and not about Gerard. Right? I'm not interested in pitching you against those guys. Yeah. What I'm trying to get to is why you. I think you. I do think you feel a little bit aggrieved about not being given opportunities. I saw a, a comment about you in the press about two or three months ago. And it came up with that you weren't given any opportunities. And my comments were, well, maybe if you stay in a job for more than five minutes, mm-hmm. and maybe if you've got a win record better than 15% in East Bengal, then maybe you can start having a conversation with yeah. people about what jobs you should have. But but yeah, you know what disappointed me about that is because you're involved with football, so you, yeah. you understand the, the elements of, of not everything is black and white. So you, you understand... Um, but I was, re- I was reacting to what I think had considered you whining about your opportunities. No, but I, I'm not whining, and far from it. You know what I'm saying about you know when people ask you, "Have you had the opportunity?" No, I haven't had opportunities the way other people have. But what I've done is I've shown people that I'm dedicated. I have the desire, the commitment to go overseas and do what I need to do. That I'll give you. Yeah, and but, and, but you're there for five minutes in each job. But that's not my fault. You know. Well, but whose fault is it then? Well, it's not mine. Is it? So you, you, I mean, I lost my. In Thailand, uh, I mean, I took over the team. We were third in the league. We uh, we ended up finishing third, and we got to the cup final. We lost the cup final after extra time, so done a good job. Came home, wanted to do my badges, um, and you know, wanted people to take me serious. Then, mm-hmm. um, and then went to Australia. Australia was brilliant. You know, done ever so well, but COVID 
That, that was entirely COVID. If it wasn't for COVID, we'd have won the league because we were by far the best team. Uh, and I was confident to that. So when I came home from Australia, you know, no one really knew what was happening with the, in the world because it was a, a real bad time for everyone. Anxiety levels for everyone yeah. was, was through the no, roof. I understand that. Uh, now, I knew I wanted to sort of get back in the game. Now, I didn't know what was going to happen with, with any other club. I didn't know what was going to what was going to happen. Uh, and then all of a sudden, I get a phone call would I be involved in taking a club uh, from the I-League. Uh, now, do you understand the the infrastructure of the, uh, the Indian League? I'm not being disrespectful. No, I but, get the board strokes. But yeah, but it was through. obviously, you have the I-League and you have the ISL. Yeah. So it sounds far-fetched, this, but when I say we had 10 days pre-season with a team built for the league below to go and play in the top league, it's probably akin to Accrington Stanley going into the Premier League mm. with 10 days preparation. And we done well. So we, we finished ninth out of 11th and it doesn't sound good. And I know it doesn't sound good, but it was a bigger achievement than what I, I'd done in Australia. I will. What I, kind of manager I, you? are you? I think a very good one. Um, I'm going to say that. I think um, I'm methodical in terms of how I want to play. Yeah. You know, I think anyone can sit here and say, we want to play like Pep. You know, mm. you can't play like because you haven't got them players. But I think I like to play on the front foot. Um, you know, I like to play attacking football. But I'm also savvy enough to know that you know you, you've got to play a certain way because you don't want to concede goals. You know, as much as I am a goal scorer, I think you win games by by conceding less. Yeah. So um, that's probably one of the things I've I've always done when I've sort of built a team. Can you manage up, Robbie? Yeah, I, I, look, I think you've got to in in the modern game. Um, I, think so, I think that is that is the big. That is a big thing, certainly at the minute. You know, you look at sporting directors, you look at technical directors, and they're all they're all coming more into the game. Um, you know, they have been in for a while, but it, it's probably coming more mm. more dominant. So you need to speak. You need to speak to certainly owners, chairmen, sporting directors. Yeah. Um, you know, even chief scouts now. You know, that, that's the way football is. Um, and this is what I was saying before, Sam, as well. You know, I, I want to surround myself with the right people. Mm. You know, I, I don't claim to know everything on my own. And the day I, I know everything is the day I'll pack football in because, you know, that's, that's, I think it's impossible. You think you learn every single day. And it's important that you are that person who, who, who has that right people. It's and, receptive and, to I, learning new things. So and and that, might, that yeah. might be, you know, the, the people upstairs. I, I think that is massively important. But in, you in have the definite game. views, don't you? I mean, ultimately, if you're looking at if you're looking at where you are now, and we're going to get to talk about Saudi in a second, but when you look at the levels that you've managed at, where would you pitch yourself in England if you were looking at an opportunity in England now? Where would you pitch yourself? Would you, for example, you mentioned earlier on Accrington Stanley. Would you take a job at Accrington Stanley if they offered it to you? I, I'm look without being you know derogatory or you know I want a I want a job that has got a good project now you probably hear projects all the time but for me to go to a club you know and I'm not saying Akron Stanley is this club but for me to go to a club who have no ambition I don't see the point mm-hmm. I, I mean I, I'm exactly now as a manager as, as what I was in a player I want to be the very best and that's exactly why but I've Realistically done. for you to get into English football you know you're not going to land a Premier League job no, I, I, and you'd be yeah, fortunate I think to land a Championship job so you would not. I mean, I'm not suggesting you should be targeting this, yeah. but a League One environment with a club that's got a little bit of ambition wouldn't be a bad place for you to land, would it? I, absolutely no. Um, you know, of, of course, I'm sat here and you know without a job. Um, so yeah, you know, beggars can't yeah. be choosers at times. You know that. But I'd like to think that the place I've been, regardless of what people's perceptions of them leagues is like. You know, I know we're going to talk about Saudi, but in Saudi we had players who've played in the Premier League. We had. You know, six six players who who played at unbelievably high level. So, I've coached and managed players who've played in the Premier League. You know, players who who've played in the, the top leagues in uh, in in Turkey. Um, players who played in the top leagues in Ger- in Germany. So it's not you're playing or you're managing these clubs and there's, there's no players. There's no one of of any stature. I mean, I'm talking about players who played at the the, the top the top level at, at, at certain countries. Yeah, let's talk about Saudi. In terms of the media, love it because it's the next existential threat to the Premier League. They're spending X amount of money, mm-hmm. and of course, Saudi Arabian investment into all sports, whether it's live golf or whether it's the boxing world now. But first and foremost, it started with the Saudi Pro League and their ascension that might have been provoked by the Qataris doing the World yeah. Cup, whatever, right? Yeah. They've got more money than God, right? And they're going to utilize it, it would seem. Um, you went there, 
why did you think it was an opportunity for you? Well, it was an opportunity for me because it was an opportunity. Uh, yeah. That's the simplicity of it. You know, it, it was uh, a case I went over there as a consultant, uh, in all honesty, uh, and then just realised this club needed a, a manager, so I put myself down for it, um, you know, and got it. So, when did you, you, Why has it come to an end, by the way, for you? The, just the, uh, the the sport and director had other had other plans. You know, he wanted to bring right. uh, someone else in, uh, and and even that in, in itself. You know, I was over there, and you know, my record over there is, is without signing statistically, it was was brilliant. Yeah, I can see it. it's a six seventy five percent win record. Yeah. It? it it was genuinely very good. But you've um you've got an insight into Saudi. <laughs> I mean, it's the it's the thing that everyone's fascinated about. I'm not particularly fascinated about it. I think it's just another country wanting to develop a football league and good luck to them. As long as they don't fuck it up for everybody else and break yeah. the ecosystem and turn everyone else into economic ruin because they don't care about the consequences of it, I think chapeau, fill your boots. But, you, but do you not think the Premier League done that though? I think the Premier League came out of the necessity to give English football a kick up the backside because prior to that, the economic economic landscape of football was in the toilets. Yeah. You know, the, we go through the 70s, we go through the 80s, um, uh, and football is economically broke. Clubs well, do, are going do you bust, not, do you not attendances think, are down. Do, do you not think Saudi are doing what the Premier League done, though? Yes and no. Right? But the only reason the Premier League were allowed to do what they did, because the de facto governance of English football, the FA, didn't do what it should have done, yeah. and the Football League were too stupid to take what was on offer, which was a significant uh, proportion of the deal that the Premier League said to them, well, listen, we'll give you, I think it was 25 or 30%. We'll give you 25, 30% of the revenues that we get. And the Football League went, no, we're our own fucking boat. Right? Well, how did that work out? Mm -hmm. Now, go to your question with Saudi. There is no doubt in my mind, with all due respect to the Saudi Arabians, that are perfectly entitled to build their Football League and do what they want with it. There is an element of using sport yep. as an image enhancer and a creative opportunity for attracting commercial attention to a country that would like to be an industrial hub that would like to not just rely on what goes beneath the surface yep. of the oil that flows through their community. They'd like to have other opportunities. So they don't have the same footballing motivations yeah, as course, the legacy yeah. football clubs that have happened in Europe. Right. So I think there is, a, there is a similarity between the Premier League setting off into the sunset but that's more to do with incompetence of other people that didn't jump on that boat and didn't see the opportunity than it is to do with potentially a nation state shaking up the, the infrastructure of football and changing the economic landscape and creating a problem that necessarily isn't for the betterment of football. But with what the Saudi uh, government are doing, are they not trying to do what maybe the, the EFL should have done years ago? Did they obviously want the football to be better? Absolutely. And I don't think they should have any problems with investing significant amounts of money to give their leagues a chance if they want to play at the yep. table with the legacy football clubs because whichever football club in Saudi Arabia is playing in a game, no one's particularly interested right now. They, they, and I'm going to ask you about this because you've got the insight that people will be fascinated to understand because you've been there. If they want to be at the table with Liverpool, Manchester United, Barcelona, Arsenal, Juventus, Real Madrid then they should have to be governed by the same rules. Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. And, then yeah. they, and, if they, and if they can get their turnovers up to five or six hundred million pound a year without artificially creating deals that enable them to do that, then they can have three or four hundred million pound wage bills. Because my argument would be, none of the players that have gone over there, with due respect, would have gone over there if there wasn't a big bag of money on offer. Yeah. And surely Saudi Arabia wants to be a little bit more than just a big bag of money. Do you see some of the criticism that's been levied? Say one of your old teammates, Stephen Gerrard. What do you make to that? Can you see the criticism of Stephen Gerrard and find any justification in it? Because it looks to me like the, the only reason Stephen Gerrard's gone to Saudi Arabia is not because he wants to be a serious Premier League football manager or a serious manager, it's because he's going to get yeah, paid a look, fucking big bag of money. I, I, of course. And I said before, look, money talks and anyone can address it or, you know, wash over it however he wants to. Uh, I mean, I can't speak for Stephen. I mean, obviously I can't do. But he's obviously got, I think he's gone over there because... It's the opportunity again. Now, I spoke before... Opportunity of what? To get back in. Do you really believe that Stephen Gerrard going over, or any English manager that's trying to rebuild their career, goes to Saudi and it can be seriously considered as, yeah. a, as a gateway back into the top end of English football? I mean, now that we, we're obviously talking about it, it, it's obviously tough, and we know mm. that. We know how you know people's perception of, of Saudi is. 
But look, that might change. That might change within, you know, a year, two years. So, you, I mean, you don't know what's around the corner. Potentially, yes, I think it could be a bit of a ruiner. But also, potentially, it could be a good thing. If he goes over there and, you know... Smashes he, it. Yeah, and, and then all of a sudden you think, but wow. Because there's some, there's some, obviously, we talk about good players, but some of the managers who, who potentially could go over there as well. But I look at it and go, I can't, no. I don't look at Saudi and go, well, if a guy's been over there... I know what he's going to do. He's going to get me out of the championship. Yep. No, I, I get that and I see that. But, you know, when you, you obviously you talk about the long-term plan, and I know being a manager is probably far from anyone's fault having the, the longevity to to talk about what's going to happen in the future. But you've got to go over there and you've got to have the attitude of, first and foremost, I want to do well. So I don't think he's gone over there and gone, and, you know what, I'll do this to get back in the Premier League. I think he's gone over there and I think for, for a player or a manager it's it's for the now. You've got to go there and you've got to do you've got to do well. And that's the, the simplicity of Yeah, because I mean let's be fair. Irrespect, I mean if he if he goes over there and makes a whole of it over there yeah, he's done, isn't he? But but yeah. there's, there's there's maybe there's maybe an argument to saying because obviously as as record Aston Villa, people might say you know, we, we wouldn't touch him anyway. So maybe if he goes over there and he feels as though he's got to reinvent himself to 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 be the manager that he was maybe at Rangers. Then, you know, do you think he'll make a top manager? I, I, yes, I, th I think he pos possibly will be. You know, I, I like Stephen. I, I like him as a person. I like him. I like him as a manager. Okay, you know, he, he wasn't brilliant at Aston Villa, mm. and he will tell you that himself. But this is why that it's important for Stephen to go over there and do well. It's also important why you take jobs at the right time. The reasons why I fought Stephen, for what my opinion is worth, wasn't right for Aston Villa is because I think he needed to learn more, and I but, think but the challenges at Villa were more difficult than he anticipated. But it, I, I mean, I, I go back to. I go back to Paul Ince when you know he took the Blackburn job. Yep. You know, and he'll say now, yeah, wrong time uh, wasn't probably the wrong enough. time. Yeah. But you know, if if a Premier League club comes in in fear, it's hard to say no. Jordan Henderson, I think you've been defensive of him. I I do think he's a hypocrite because I don't think he needed to go out on a limb and make a four act play of what his views were about particular communities. I don't think you can say the things that he said and be as supportive of a community. And be so demonstrative. And I didn't respect the England players that went over to the World Cup and felt the necessity to tell everybody what they, that they wanted to have a one-love armband until they get a fucking yellow card and then they don't want one. I mean, you, I've seen you've been defensive of him. Um, I, I, do you I'm not see that there's hypocrisy in this position? I, I mean, yes, of, you of can't course. But, but, you know, it, it's like... I mean, you, you said at the start of this, and I'm not having a go um, you know, at Jordan for, for what he, his beliefs are or whatever. I mean, you said at the start of this, you know, you can potentially put answers into into people by the question you ask. Yes. So I think where Jordan's probably gone wrong is because he's 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 been a captain, you know, whether it's you know Liverpool, whether it's England, and he's been that leader. So you know, you, you have you have things to say, and people ask you questions. So well, keep your trap shut. But but maybe he can't. Maybe that this is what. You can, yeah, same way as I no, can. But, I mean, this, did, did, okay. Did you do you agree as a as a as a, a wiser man now, or as a man that's got control of his own thinking, that the idea of, of, of advancing political causes in football and sport is a good thing anyway? Yeah, I, I think political uh, politics and football shouldn't mix. No, it shouldn't because you 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 become you become a role model without. Wanting to wanting become to a role, be one. Yeah. yeah, and and I think that's just a that, that's football in a nutshell. You know, people listen and people will will take everything you know what you say for you know, f, you know not for granted is probably the wrong word, but people will take that you know and listen to it whether they, they agree with it whether they don't agree with it. But people will listen to what a footballer says. Now, should he be said it? P possibly not. Do you think with Henderson that? He should be playing in the England side because he's playing in a league that you know isn't at the top. You're not playing in competitive football on a week-by-week -week basis in terms of the levels that you should be playing at to play international football. Do you really think that he should be in an England side? I, I think you should be playing for the England side if you're playing well. By what standard? Yeah, but it doesn't matter what standard. I mean, you look at the England squad now and the England setup. There's players within that squad who don't play. So, you know, can you throw that question at players who, who are not well, playing? Well, Kelvin Phillips and people well, like that. Well, yeah. Um, I mean, Maguire was getting in the squad. And, and look, we're not having a go of players, but just regardless of whether they're playing for the clubs or not, whether they're playing great for the clubs or not, 
if managers are comfortable with certain players, then they're going to pick them. True, but that wasn't the question I asked you. I asked well, you uh, whether you think a player, put aside Jordan Henderson, put aside the allegiances yep. you've got, and a player was playing in the Saudi Pro League, in a league that's a mile off the competitive leagues that we need to see our best players playing in. Yeah, Come on, Robbie. No, I mean, you would say, yeah, I'm not having that. No, but I mean, you, you can you, you can throw a, a few players into that mix. So you've got Anderson played over there. I mean, Ronaldo, regardless of his age and you know how good he's been in the past, he's still scoring goals for Portugal. He's getting phased out, though, isn't he? Uh, of course, and, and Anderson will get phased out. You know, Benzema will get phased out. You know that happens in football. Players will get phased out. Players, if they're playing now, and you know it's it's not mere allegiances to Jordan Anderson because I'm not an unbelievably big mate of him. I mean, I, I know him. I've met him a few times, and I mean, I've got a lot of time for him. In all fairness, um, but so if you were being kept out of an England squad by a player that was playing in the Saudi Pro League, you'd would. be pretty pissed off, wouldn't you? Uh, of course I would, but I'd also be pissed off if I was kept out of the England squad by, by players player who weren't playing for the club. Yeah. yeah. Um, last question for you. Would you beat Michael Owen if you had a competition of throwing apples in a bin? <laughs> um, I think he's doing well in meme land at the moment. <laughs> you know what? Probably. <laughs> uh, I mean, what a question that is. Um, I mean, I have genuinely asked I sat there and took the... Uh, I, I, when Michael was telling me, I sat there listened to it intently and seriously. I never knew it was going to be turned into a fucking thousand memes for poor Michael to live with. Yeah, I know. Uh, would I beat him? Uh, yes, let's, let's yeah. say why not. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, Robbie, I've enjoyed it today. Pleasure, mate. Look Thank forward you. to seeing you hopefully in the future in the dugout. Thanks, Thank much. you for being so upfront. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Well done, mate. Upfront with me, Simon Jordan, is brought to you by William Hill. Future episodes can be found on YouTube, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. 18 plus, please gamble responsibly.